And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another Hold That Podcast podcast. T-Bob, Bear, and Brody Miller with you here on the Athletics Hold That Podcast podcast. We have a great deal for you today, uh, and I literally mean today. So if you are listening on April 6th, Today's the last day to take advantage of this deal. We'll have more deals in the future, but right now, today, if you go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast, uh, you can get a great sign-up deal, just $4 a month for six months. So uh, when I tell you it is worth it, it is so worth it. There's no ads, no BS. Any sport or team that you into has a very talented writer covering them, including the LSU Tigers, who have Brody Miller covering them. Brody, what's up, dude? King of the Segway. I am I'm doing all right, man. Another another wild week in the LSU uh football world of just God, there's never a dull moment here. And uh yeah, I mean we had Pro Day last week. There's more going on with the sexual assault investigations and yeah. Senate committee hearings and spring football going on, spring game coming up. So yeah, it's just a, a tornado of LSU, which hey, makes makes good podcasting. But uh yeah, I'm doing all right, T Bob. How are you? Yeah, it, make, it makes for good podcast. And you would wish that it was a little more just on the field stuff for sure. Um, so whatever. Uh we'll, we'll it sucks. We'll get into it. Uh the 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 just the reputation of LSU just is in complete tatters. Um and it seems like it might get worse before it gets better. Uh, so on today's show, we're going to discuss Pro Day a little bit. We're going to discuss some practices on some of the kind of trends emerging out of practice. But let's start with, uh, like we said, the stuff off the football field. Just real quick here. Um, I, I I don't know how it's going to spin out uh, today. Uh, Sharon, who has worked up there for a very long time, came out and it. Uh, there's a USA Today article where she has uh, filed a civil suit against LSU, claiming harassment, among other things. I've not gotten a chance to read through yet. It just broke a little while ago, so we'll have more next week on kind of the fallout from that. Um, but the latest, as far as the legislature is concerned, is that the legislature has called Ogeron, Seeger, uh, Verge Osbury, and others to come and testify in person or submit a written uh, a written statement answering their questions. Um, Ogeron will be submitting the written statement. I'm guessing Virgil as well, because I heard he's out of town. I have not heard on Seeger. And it seems like a lot of the Ogeron stuff, for whatever it's worth, mainly has to do with the Gloria Scott case. Um, I said this on my show this morning. Uh, right now, that case is, um, we're getting new details all the time. I don't know what to fully make of it. Um, there's definitely two sides saying two different things. There's some evidence on both sides. So like I'm kind of in a wait and see mode before I make any, um, declarative statement. So is that cowardly? Yes. Am I sitting on the fence? Yes. But I just, I mean, more information's coming out daily. I just want to see the direction this goes before I like offer a, a very, uh, hard take on it one way or another. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the one thing I'll say on that is it's, it's, LSU, if we're just being honest here, 
no one's coming out and denying Darius Geist anything to Gloria Scott. Like, no. actually, I don't think I've seen a single person argue with did or not. No, I think with Darius Geist is uh, I th- what we know about him now. That yes, that that absolutely seems true. Yes, and but what makes this all kind of tough to report on and tough to really just watch happen is that LSU isn't fighting that. I think LSU's, you know, I think right now it's not even about whether it happened. It's about muddying the waters and discrediting and whatnot, and that we're in a you know. Now you're now LSU is leaking out there that you know the that they were trying to be that Gloria Scott had a representative who was an AU basketball coach trying to extort her, and then you know and then Gloria Scott says she did not authorize that and and then but what that does is that just kind of diverts the attention to something else and that is you know I think they're that's trying the, they're trying to just defend this idea as to whether or not O talked to her and ignored her or not I mean correct. that that is the Gloria Scott. Um, that is the Gloria Scott controversy. And LSU, you know, always said, uh, to the best of his knowledge, which is a very legal term, I mean, that's what your lawyers tell you to Absolutely, do. Yeah. Says to the best of his knowledge, he does not remember talking to her, which I could see. I could also see being a lie, right? Like I, I could see anything being true in this. So ultimately that is kind of why I want to let this thing spin out uh, a little bit and, and and see what happens. But yes, the the, the actual battle is not over whether or not it happened. It's whether or not Ogeron talked to Gloria Scott and took action or failed to do so. Absolutely. And and, and I'll say Thursday is going to be a you know really interesting day for a lot of reasons. I mean, like you said, Ed Ogeron is not expected to be there. He will write something. Virch Osprey will not be there. Scott Woodward, from what I have been told, uh, will not is not as of now expected to be there. He was at the last one. He sat there all day and you know, it ended without talking to him and they took, they expected him to be the next person up, but it sounds like he is going to take the option of, of writing something. And the last I heard is Miriam Seeger. There's a chance she does show up. So, but you know, also there's going to be other people there, you know, president Tom Galligan, um, you know, the Jenny Stewart, the title nine coordinator, the, the lawyers from Taylor Porter who have been representing LSU and kind of, you know, basically their glor- their, their counsel for the last few years. So it's going to be a big day. And I think it's going to be big just because, so much of I think what all of us want to know now is what happens next, you know, where Hush Blackwell did what its job was. But even that had a limited scope of like, here's what we're focusing on and that's what we're going to investigate. And I think now people wonder what happens now? What are actual consequences? Is there more? Is this what it is? And I think Thursday will be at least telling from that perspective of how what's the Senate committee's goals here? What what are they going for? So I think that will be at least informative in that sense and just the answer of what comes next. So yeah, we that that's I mean all T Bob and I can really even say right now, but it's uh it is an unfortunate situation and it does make, you know, it just it's just another you know, six months of just kind of negative news for LSU. Yeah, yeah. Just like I said, the reputations and tatters. Um although again, I, I would say it was it was still one of the Key findings, in my opinion, on the Hutch Blackwell report in terms of just um, what actually found is that it was not just athletics doing it. Like, it was not just athletics um, getting special treatment or anything. This is a system that was broken campus wide. And really, watching like those dep- are watching the legislature and stuff and, and them interview people, to me, it's been a masterclass in teaching me how. Uh, when an institution or a system is truly like corrupt or broken, that's actually how everybody gets protected because technically everybody is doing their job in one way or another. But it's just like the system is so obfuscated or, or underfunded. Like it's it's just really disappointing on 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 so many different fronts. And uh, I wonder I, I wonder if heads will roll or not. Um, 
We'll have to see. It hasn't happened up to this point. Uh, but, but but whatever. That's that. That's that. Um, like I said, we're going to see where that spins out, and we'll revisit it at a later date. As far as on the field, uh, it actually is pretty good right now, ironically. At least we think it is. Um, it seems like you have a, a, a lot of talent right now. Some groups starting to develop. Before we get to the, let's talk about some of the old crew. Uh, as LSU Pro Day was last week, and everybody ran really damn good times. Jamar Chase basically locked himself in as wide receiver one. Maybe there's still some debate there, but like, you know, he didn't lose anything, certainly. Uh, Terrace Marshall ran great, a bit shorter than I thought. I think he's the tallest six, two and a half person I've ever met in my life. But, Brody, what what do you think? Is um, who, who were the big winners from last week's Pro Day? Well, I think you almost have to start with like the numbers they put up across the board were were pretty shocking and absurd. I think, and I think there's like everybody kind of like looking at those forty times and being like, "All right, is this isn't the real combine? It's the pro day. Are these numbers skewed?" But then you have Jane Slater and a few others coming out saying like, "No, scouts have confirmed these numbers. These are real." But yeah, yeah, I think what and maybe some of this is just the positions that were there. You know, it was pretty much like 90% you no know, receivers and corners and stuff like that. But well, there's also, the, as far as the 40 time thing goes, I think there is a weird thing where at the combine you do electronic times. But yes. if you talk to NFL people, they say they actually don't go by the electronic times. And I guess maybe it's because they've like never done that in the past, so they're trying to like maintain some... I, I don't know. It seems like there's some old school thing in football scouting where they're still going with the scouts' hand timers. And yeah. that is where these numbers are actually coming from, is some sort of like amalgamation or some sort of consensus or something on those scouts hand timers. But, but here's the deal. It's don't get so married to the hundredth of a second. Just basically understand that they hit the exact times that they needed to, to impress people and show that, okay, they do have elite speed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. Well put. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing I came away with was just it's like one of those things where I'm not just saying this, like everybody 
that I can come across across the board basically did exactly what they had to do, which is not always the case. You know, Jamar Chase was already probably receiver one. Well, he he exceeded a lot of those expectations. You know, even he expected like a four four. He got a four three eight. Jacob, uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens. You know, the one thing about him was his tape didn't look good. And people kind of the narrative became like he's not that athletic to play safety. And and I don't know if he should. I think maybe he probably would be better as a linebacker. But he at least came out there and kind of blew everyone away physically with his 42-inch yeah. vertical, with his 4-5-40, which even shocked me. I didn't expect a 4-5. He almost jumped Steve. 11 feet in the broad, went in like 10-8 oh, or yeah. something. And then, and then you have um, – Sorry, Kerry Vincent and like his number one selling point is that he is a track star and all that. Well, he runs a four three three, or you know, Racy McMath is going to be a superstar special teams gunner. He runs a four three four. Everybody just kind of did what they what they really needed to do, except for obviously Jabril Cox, who didn't get to perform. But I mean, I think he's going to be fine. So I think it was just really, and also I forgot to mention another big one is Tyler Shelvin, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have any idea how his numbers were you know testing wise but i think the big thing for him was and it's a huge question mark was is he actually going to be in shape is he actually these last five months of opting six months of opting out of these guys already had weight problems how would he handle that and and i have a story coming out either this week or next on that whole situation but he showed up at a pretty fit looking 350 and that's <laughs> that's big i mean i, I know we're saying that no, but like no. he really he looked fit you know and like no but it's crazy his, like all these other cats are having to run like four threes and four fours and it's like okay can tyler shelvin be 350 pounds like that's that's the bar that he needs to hit but you're right he, he did and he looked good at it he, looked, he good. looked good so i don't know if that's gonna make him you know i'm not saying it's gonna make him a second rounder or something it's possible but i just think that's a big uh thing feather in his cap going this next few weeks so i think everyone did what they want and i think it just really like you're saying Jamar Chase was the storyline because I think it was we already knew he was the dude and just like, oh, this guy, it kind of seemed like he gained even more wide receiver one stock. And and it's really setting up for an interesting day on draft day. I mean, you know, Bengals obviously have Joe Burrow and it's just looking more and more like quarterbacks definitely going one, two, three. And I know the Falcons might not take a quarterback, but now I'm Schefter reported about an hour ago that, you know, now they're even looking more into does someone want to trade into four. And I and I say all that to say is, you know, and granted I'm a you know casual Bengals fan, so I follow it a little closer, but it's it really is setting up for the Bengals at five to basically be picking between Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. And then and then uh their their GM Duke Tobin just yesterday kind of was talking on a podcast and saying how well they actually think there's more O line depth in this draft than there is receiver depth and wow. they feel better about getting an O lineman you know later if, if they don't get Sewell in the first round and it just feels more and more like the momentum is moving toward Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase reuniting which is a uh, kind of a crazy thing it's not something you really see ever in, in sports so I I, I want to give my take on that but you start as the resident Bengals fan um, <laughs> what would you do. Because because it is interesting, like any other name but Panay Sewell, and I think it's easily Jamar Chase, because I don't yeah. think you're going to find as sure of a thing, but Panay Sewell is right there with Chase and guys that feel like like sure things, like can't miss guys. Yeah, I think, you know, for example, I think a lot of Bengals fans are kind of wanting them to like fall back, and I think the Bengals are pretty much sticking to the mentality of like, there's only a handful of like, not only, but like there's a handful of like those holy crap guys, and I don't think they want to move fall out of that back. holy crap Why do they want range. him to trade back? Oh, just, I mean, I'm a big believer and I want more bites at the apple. I'd rather have like two top 25 picks than one top 10 pick. Like I am in that, that line of thinking, you know, but still, I, I used I, to be I'm starting to move is, away from that a little they bit. They want a holy crapper, you know, and, and that's, that's my <laughs> metric. Um, 
holy yeah, crapper. I'm, so Jamar Chase and Penae Sewell are both holy crappers. So if they they're absolutely fat, holy crappers. So, so and both, what should they do? I okay. My personal, just deep down gut is like I would want Sewell, but this is where, oh. where I become a really boring guy to listen to talk about sports. Is I always have a hard time like having strong opinions in the draft because I always have to throw out the caveat of like. But it very much depends on, like, how does this NFL GM actually evaluate that guy? Because I'm not basing this off my stupid opinion of watching, like, seven quarters of Panay Sewell up close. You know, like, that's that's I'd be talking out my ass. I watched so, some of that Auburn game. He's awesome. Know. No, he's awesome. <laughs> and if so, you at, here's a better way for me to phrase this and make this better podcasting is if you are telling me on the Bengals board, they have Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell that even. I would prefer they take Panay Sewell. I think having that, that is super that is what I'm asking you. If they yes. if they have it as dead even, yeah, um, I would go Panay Sewell. But I also understand, you know, it goes back to the old Joe Brady line of thinking, right? Of it's actually better to have amazing skill players and just keep five guys back to protect because then you can get the ball out faster and you can almost neutralize the offensive line weaknesses. And the idea of having Chase Tyler Boyd. Uh, T Higgins and Joe Mixon is your four main skill guys is kind of frightening. Like that's, that's one of the better young cores you're going to see around Joe Burrow. So I think, I think I can see that and I can definitely get behind that as a Bengals fan, the idea of being like, all right, this is that. And then you could get the O-line depth from there, but you can get the ball out faster. I'm cool with that. But my personal deep down gut, I want Panay Sewell. Yeah. I, I think that like Panay Sewell obviously offers much more protection for Burrow than does Chase, but Chase does come because of what you were just talking about. He comes with a modicum of protection and just, uh, I mean, the ceiling, the big playability, the chemistry that's already there. The fact that I think has Burrow publicly advocated for the move or is that kind of coming out through the grapevine that, that <laughs> he would be into reuniting with Chase? So I don't think he said anything like that, but I, uh, Duke Tobin kind of had a comment yesterday in that same podcast yesterday where he was kind of like, you know, someone asked him if like he talks to you know Joe Burrow about this, and he's like, well, you know, Joe Burrow's an engaging guy, and I like I like getting the opinions of engaging guys, and I'll leave it at that. So <laughs> you know, you can kind of take that as like I think it's clear, you know, Joe Burrow would would like that, and it's kind of I don't know. So that would that tip he, me. That would tip me to uh, to actually go chase there. And, yeah, and it's and, tricky because I don't find think Chase Camp elsewhere. is exactly like I want to go to the Bengals. I don't think that's their first choice. I think no. they'd you know, I think they'd rather go to Miami or something like that. But at the same time, I you know, it was it was kind of, and I don't want to speak for him, but it was kind of funny to watch, you know, the the interviews after Pro Day and everyone's like he got four three or four questions about teaming up with Burrow. And he was a little like a reserve. It was it, it, it was, was definitely like, eh. yeah, yeah. It was definitely not like, oh hell be yeah, cool. that'd be awesome. He was like, Ugh. Like it would be, he basically was like, it would be cool to team up with Joe, but like the vibe was very much like, but that's not exactly where I want to go. So, and obviously, I don't think Jamar Chase is some like spoiled brat who's going to be like, I'm not going to Cincinnati, <laughs> but I don't think that's like his dream scenario. No, but I still, mean, look, I, I think, dude, I think if we were to ask most people, if you could be a young 22 year old multimillionaire, would you rather live in Cincinnati or South Beach? I think if people are being honest, I think there's probably a clear winner there. That it's not a, to say both cities are not it. great. It's it's not to say that you couldn't have a lot of fun in today. You will absolutely, but you could be a king in Cincinnati though. You but, kidding me? Yeah. That twenty million in Cincinnati versus Miami. That is true. That is true. That twenty million is not going I'm, nearly I'm as I, far in Miami, in Miami. But yeah, you want to be at the club. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, so that, that that'll be interesting to watch that spin out. But yeah, it was just nice to see Jamar Chase again. Like that was my entire takeaway from Pro Day is what a bummer that you missed out on having him last season, but good on him for taking advantage of that time. Oh, also, I would say this. Uh, big validation of Terrace Marshall's decision 
as well, right? I mean, the reason Ooh. why he left after game seven or eight, in my mind, how I justified it at least, was like, look, this was normally when a season would end. The combine is not football training. He knows it's going to be important for him to prove speed and everything else. He needs to go start that training immediately uh, so he can perform. And, well, I think he justified that decision by putting up those times. Still shocked he measured at six two and a half. I mean, does that shock you as much as it did me? A little, I guess. I, I expect him to be in that six three and a half, six four range. But at the I same guess time, I just I always just, assumed I he was it's... at least six four. He looks so long. He like he does. He, he's, but that, he's, but that's he, what matters. I think his wingspan was pretty good. Okay. Like that's it's all. It's just I don't think any scout is like, wait, he's only six two and a half. I don't know if I feel the same way. Like no, that I just don't think it's like a knock anymore. on him. It's just like a curiosity to me because For his sure. body yeah. looks like six five. Like I just I, I I yeah. So but but yeah, Terrace Marshall I think validated his decision. Tested very well. Like you said, Jacoby helped himself out. And uh, yeah, no real, like, no real, like, uh, horror stories or anybody hurting themselves. So, really none. Yeah. Uh, a nice job by those guys getting ready. Okay, Brody, um, we'll spend a couple minutes here on what's actually going on during spring practice because while there are some things, there's nothing terribly pressing right now. Um, we talked to Coach O this morning on our show and. One of the things that did stand out to me last week, he talked about what a disappointment the running back room had been. And, and he said today, that to you for about three weeks now. Like, yes. It's like a three-week in a row where like, he called it disappointing, frustrating, all these things. Yeah, and so today marked the first time in which he seemed to uh, offer a little positive reinforcement for the running back, saying that for the first time yet this spring, they finally looked like the room that he thought they would be. And uh, that I think he specifically called out Ty Davis-Price as having like a couple of really good runs on Thursday's practice or something. So uh, some improvement in that running back room. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's it's I think he put it as well as I could ever put it last week, I believe, on your show when he when he, or he might have been with our press conference. But he said he's like, this position group should be the strength of the team. And it's not. And that's where the frustration comes. It's not like it's say linebacker or safety where it's like, oh, you know, where the like like you there's a literal problem and you're just trying to solve it. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, you have in theory all the pieces, all the talent, all the things you want, you would want as a recruiter, a roster management guy to do. And it's just not coming together. And, of course, injuries are a part of that. But you and I both know that's not all of it. There is frustration with how guys are developing, yeah. little things like that. And, and you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you've heard it, I've heard it, that, you know, they do this little vote and you know about where guys who represents LSU best, who represents LSU, you know, worst, for lack of a better term. And, and you know, the, the Emery's and Davis prices have kind of showed up at the bottom sometimes in yeah. those votes. So I think, you know, Ed Ogeron, when he talks about wanting more and wanting those guys to step up, that's what he's referring to. So I think it, it's it's just such a, like, for example, last year, remember we did those stability rankings of the position groups and, yeah. and you and I kind of agreed, I believe, on having running back number two because we were just like, did the line we used was like we know what we're getting like i don't know if one guy's going to be a superstar but we know what we're getting four or five deep good running backs and and i don't think we can just use that benefit the doubt assumption anymore because they haven't broken out they haven't 
really produce like you'd want them to. So it's just such an interesting position. And But like you're saying, it is promising that after criticizing it three weeks in a row, he did throw out some positives today. Yeah, and I also think that, make no mistake, like uh, I think when a coach is, sometimes stuff slips, but in my um, view, most of the times when people, when a coach is like, that room has been disappointed, that, and then they say that in public, that is a direct challenge to them. Uh, yes. that's not that, that. Yes, that is strategic. You are challenging them in the public realm to raise their level of play and they must have, because then you give them a little love today. Uh, the only thing that else that really stood out to me, there's some stuff about Derek Stingley co- becoming a leader, which I found kind of interesting. Um, the quarterbacks legitimately challenging the LSU secondary, like not backing down from them. And, and really the quarterback play, I will say this in the quarterback play. Uh, the, he said that Miles won Thursday for whatever that's worth, but that it's just been an absolute battle. It seems like everybody really loves Nussmeyer's crazy style of play. Um, Ogeron talked about how he brings a different element than anybody else in that room. Uh, Derek Singley Sr. today called him like a little Johnny Manziel out there. <laughs> um, so like Nussmeyer seems to be like, I'll say this for quarterback. I've asked, I've heard so much coded quarterback talk at LSU over the years. I can tell when they're just answering the question because they have to answer and when there's genuine excitement about the position and they are genuinely excited right now. No, I think you're right. And I I love that you brought up Nussmeyer and and I brought it up last week too a good amount. But it's like, again, I don't think any of us right now would put our money on him being the 2021 starter or anything like that. But but they are blown away. They were high on him. He's top 100 quarterback. He was the highest signee they've gotten quite some time. But but just – they're really like, wow, taken aback, I think, by how good he is. And he's probably the most athletic of these four guys. He's probably the best, like just like pure, you know, arm talent. No, I'm not going to say that, but he's, you know, you could argue he's probably the most talented passer, you know, in terms of like upside and all that on this roster. Like he's the guy, he's a star. I just don't think you ever want to rely on a true freshman when you already have pretty darn good options and, and Brendan and, and uh, Max Johnson. But yeah, I think, I think he's a guy you just like, he's really been a star of this camp and he's an early enrollee quarterback too. It's not even like he's a normal freshman. So I think that's worth bringing up. Absolutely. And yeah, I think, I am with you, and I and we talked this on the show, so we won't belabor it last week. But but just I think I really expected this to be a uh, you know just a, a mouth service kind of quarterback battle, and then you know you know who it is, and I just don't think it is. I think it's really a battle. Yeah. I think I think it's uh, they are really really impressed with what Max Johnson does, and they have confidence because those last two games that you know he you know there, there's an argument to be made that he might actually get the most out of the talent around them and and I still think Brennan's in it like I'm not putting down Brennan like you said he might have won last week and all that it's just it's just more interesting than I ever would have expected yeah and, and uh, again it's just a great thing a great issue to have um the, uh, the the last thing that I would say was interesting is uh they he, he was talking about how going into spring uh one of the positions that he was most concerned about was safety and linebacker and that um, he especially highlighted linebacker as being a position that he's very pleased with the development of. And yeah. I think oh, that's true. No, I was just going to say I think that's crucial given the big question mark it was. Um, we, we all know about our guy, Bug Strong. And then, and, then, and then he talked about some of the advantage of having Blake Baker teaching back there and just his college coaching acumen, being a defensive coordinator, that he's done a really, really good job with these guys of – you know, explaining responsibility and communication while not making it overly dense and really focusing on like playing fast. And if you're going to make a mistake, that's fine. 
um, just make it like make it aggressively, uh, which is an ethos that a lot of people abide by. And it's one that I personally have always really agreed with. Yeah, no, Blake Baker's kind of been a bit of a, a rising kind of star. I mean, he's already a rising star in the coaching field and kind of had a little bit of a dip. But I, the buzz has been pretty strong on him. And and I and I was a little taken back I remember when I did that Mike Jones story and I'm talking to him and his family and and I, and I almost was like setting it up to be like, yeah, how big was Durante Jones and and you know Mike Jones coming over and and they were like uh, and they kind of like suddenly and they weren't criticizing Jones, they like Jones, but they were like honestly, actually Blake Baker's what got us there, and that there was kind of surprising to hear wow. that they're. They're all in on Blake Baker, and and I, I think I, I would say I, I think I have the reputation of being like the cynic on a lot of this stuff, so I, I preface that with that. But like, I, I I'm somebody who like never gets like wrapped away, carried away with the mic'd up videos that they do with all the coaches and all that. Yeah. The Blake Baker one was actually like I don't know if you watched that one. It was like oh okay, that's actually like this guy seems like he has like a certain energy or or around him where it's like oh I, I actually think that might be a really good hire for what they need right now and like you saw the way like he was like giving players crap and they were responding to it you saw the way other defensive coaches kind of responded to him i don't know i don't want to get carried away with stuff like that but it was actually noticeable but anyway i still have to say yeah i never really walked around with like a major concern about linebacker or at least not the last month or two you know i think i think micah baskerville chances are is back eventually and i don't know if he's gonna be a starter my money right now i'd be on no but like you know he's a guy you can trust and they like josh white's development even if he's not the guy bug strong seems like a real dude and damone clark is improving i don't think you should rule him out ever and then you do have mike jones coming so it's like i just don't look at that area as like a huge like oh no they're in trouble question mark anymore like i might have three months ago there you go i i, I think safety is yeah where i have more questions where it's like I'm, I'm as high on Jay Ward as anyone. I think Jay Ward is going to I, – I wrote a feature on him. I, I like his rising stock and all that. But still, like, I don't know if I think Jay Ward's going to be some all-SEC guy. I don't I, – I think I have to start selling the Todd Harris stock and be like, he's always going to be serviceable. I don't think Todd Harris is ever going to change your defense. You know, Jordan Tolls, you're hoping he steps up. You're counting on these two freshmen. But, like, that's the one where I still remain having a lot of questions. I think linebacker, I actually feel – just to bounce off everything you just said, relatively optimistic. Yeah, and, and, and as far as safety goes, I'm I'm with you. That's we're definitely. I mean, for both positions, you're in improvement mode, but uh, certainly maybe even more so at safety because it's you didn't have someone like a, like a bug strong come in. Now you got the young guys coming, so we'll see where that goes. Yes. Uh, one thing I did like hearing about safety, and this has been a constant theme, is that apparently the the chatter is constant. Uh, it seems like communication is a um, ever-present uh, underlying theme of this spring defensively. And, you know, a whatever, just anecdotally talking to people, it seems like uh, that that that's been successful so far. This defense is talking in ways, efficient ways, that they did not um, last season. So we'll see. That's we'll big. see. But, but on the field, feels good. On the field, feels good. Off the field, not so much. We'll see where it all goes. Um Brody, anything else? Maybe recommend that game that we were talking about before the pod <laughs> if anybody wants anything nerdy to check out. You love hyping up my nerdness whenever you can on your radio show or our podcast. I, I, my new, I, I think everyone who listens to the show has learned that my pandemic discoveries have been mainly that I am a bigger uh, strategy game nerd than I knew I was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I have been diving. It's a, it's a five-year-old game. It's from 2016, but it's Hearts of Iron 4 where it's like you start as like a, 
you know, it's 1936 and like World War II coming. You can start as any country you want, whether it's like Estonia, Italy or Germany or whatever. And like and you basically just like work your industry, your your infrastructure, your diplomacy to like maneuver all these things. You can kind of take it any path you want. It's a uh, it's been my my weekend obsession. It's not great for my uh, my social life. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I'm I'm back addicted to WoW Classic, which is about as valueless of a pursuit as you could imagine, uh, besides having fun with your friends. So no judgment here, bro. Uh, no judgment here. I'm power leveling a mage. That's my life. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, well, that'll do it for this week's Hold That Podcast podcast. Uh, again, theathletic.com slash hold that podcast. If you're listening today on April 6th, go there today. $4 a month for six months. It is so, 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 so worth it. And there's always great sign-up deals that you can find if you just Google around a little bit. But uh, certainly review it, like it, share the pod if you if you do enjoy it. That really helps us. And, um, yeah, y'all have an excellent day. Bro, are you good? Anything else? I think that's it, man. Great show. All right. We'll be back next week another HTPP. See you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.